2: On heroes, on heroes, on heroes, on heroes. Hi, my name's Ricky Wilde. This is my first podcast and I'm giving it a go and it's called Unsung Heroes. And um, yeah, today I'm very honoured to be surrounded by a bunch of fabulous people. And today we're going to be talking about all aspects of music industry, about some of the songs that I've written, some of the hits, along with some of my guests. Um, Yeah, first of all, I'd like to introduce a wonderful guy called Lee Bennett. He's just an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to new music and old music and our stuff and the wild music.
1: Yeah, and welcome. Tell us about yourself, mate. Thank you. Really... Uh, Wonderful to be here with you. Um, So I'm Lee. I have a music blog called Teases and Dares, which is uh, named after a a very classic Wild album from 1984. Um, As Rick says, I blog mainly about new artists, new music that I like, which I often share with Rick and most of the time he likes. Occasionally I get it horribly wrong, but most of the time I don't. Um, My love affair with the Wild started in 1981 and the first record I ever bought was Cambodia. And I never look back from there and I've been with you Ever since. So I'm probably responsible for... A couple of these gold records, I reckon, that are in the room that we're in today. But uh, there we are.
2: Yeah, Lee's going to be with us on every show, talking about all the, the new music that he listens to and all the new acts. Um, many that have, over the years, he's introduced me to have gone on to massive things. Uh, Sigrid uh, is, is just one that springs to mind. Uh, Frida Sandemo. Uh, Lee introduced me to Frida, and Frida finished up being a guest artist on a song called Rosetta, which is off uh, Kim's latest album, Here Come the Aliens, and that was all through Lee. So thank you for that, my friend. God bless you. Um, Also with us today is a guy uh, called... Sean Vincent. Sean is Kim's manager. Sean has been a dear friend of mine. We we had a label together for a while, Sonic Hub. He comes on on tour with us. He does the out front sound for us, uh, all our live gigs. Uh, Does an incredible job. He does all the mixing with me. So he mixed all my albums with me. He's an amazing writer as well. And he's just an amazing guy, amazing talent. And it's an honour to have you with us, mate. So welcome. You're too kind. That was all all really nice.
0: <laughs> 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 I, I, I just hang around here and ride really,
2: really your coattails, mate. <laughs> good to be here. Oh, oh, it's good to have you, mate. Um, uh, also, we have... Mr. Jake Wood. Jake. Uh, I uh, hope you're going to build me up. uh, Yeah, no, Sean, because that's incredible. Jake's a hero. (laughs) Uh, Everything Jake does uh, turns to gold. He's just amazing. He's. um, The the other day, he was asked to do a marathon and he goes, Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So he just suddenly jumps in, runs 26 miles. Yeah, no training. I probably should have done a bit of training, shouldn't I? But uh, yeah, no, it's a good day. Obviously, most people know him as Max Branning in EastEnders. But then he goes and starts dancing on Bloody Strictly. And it's Mr. Snakehips himself. He smashes that as well. And then he starts a boxing podcast and he smashed it with that as well. Just everything he does turns to gold. Oh, and, bless you. Um, and I love you, mate. So lovely to have
3: you with lovely us. you too. Pleasure to be here. Uh, and super excited to be part of, of, of what you're setting out to do. But, yeah, we'll hear more about that in a second. Excellent. Excellent. And finally,
2: we have, yeah, my, my dear sister, Miss Kim Wilde. Hello, bro. How are you? She needs no introduction, really. I think so. I think everybody knows pretty much what what you've done and what what you do, what you're about. But if they don't, they will by the end of this show. (laughs) They
4: they (laughs) certainly will. Hey, Rick. So great to be in this room full of these fabulous people. And um, so, tell us, what is it you really want to do with gathering everyone here? What do you want to achieve today? Okay
2: predominantly this is going to be for music lovers and for songwriters and music producers and anybody that's interested in the unsung heroes of the industry, people in the background and behind the scenes, you know. I just find it a fascinating subject. Uh, There's so many people that I, I know their names, but I don't know what makes them tick. I don't see them interviewed and I think it's time that they should be celebrated. Um, they are they're the unsung heroes, I think, because the, without those songs, the artists wouldn't be there. I don't think uh, in a lot of cases. Um, although that you know there are artists that write their own stuff, and we will be chatting with those as well, because in a way they are unsung heroes, and for the fact that a lot of people don't know they actually wrote those songs. So in in that department, they they are unsung heroes as well. So so kind of like that, that's what it's about. And I've got the idea through my co-producer Jake Wood. Um, who has his own podcast called Pound for Pound? Tell us about that,
3: Jake. Um, well, I'm a, a huge boxing fan. I've been a massive boxing fan all of my life. And uh, one of my best mates is Spencer Oliver, ex European champion. Um, yeah, I just I love podcasts. Like, I started to get into them probably like two years ago or something. And then sort of had the idea that maybe we could do one because me and Spencer would sit around and talk about boxing for hours on end. And, um, and um so yeah for us it was just really exciting to put a microphone on that and just sort of invite an audience to to listen in um you've always been a big part of that um Ricky cuz you do all the music we've got all these like kind of little hooky kind little of little stings. segments yeah. Uh, yeah we've got Carl Froch doing his little bit every week and we've always asked you to do the little the, the bits of music for us. oh jeez and they they're, they're uh, classics you know <laughs> classics so um so yeah you've been involved from day one uh in in, in that in that sense, so, so I guess for you, it's kind of you've you, for me, it feels like knowing you, you've had a connection with podcasts through kind of what we're doing. We, you know, we do an episode every week and, and what you've done for us. So, yeah, we started talking about it, didn't we? In terms of well, you mentioned it to me, you said, Rick, you should do one,
2: and I said, Well, yeah, maybe I don't know. What can we do about songwriting? Of course.
3: Yeah, but, then... I mean, the idea came around really quickly, didn't it? It from, did, yeah. From my point yeah. of view, knowing you, Rick, and where where you are in the industry and what your history is and that you're uniquely placed to, to have these conversations and the connections you've got, the people that you know. I just think it's, uh, you know, for me, that'd be really exciting to hear that documented. You know, I'd love to hear about... Songwriting is the process, it's not, you know I'm not an expert but I love to hear people that are passionate About what they do and I know certainly you and Kim are are that, so. It's something that I find a fascinating subject Songwriting
2: in general, because there are no Rules, there's no, you know, everybody has their own Different ways of writing and some people Write on guitar, someone might say something And that'll spark something off, you know, you just don't Know, there's no hard, fast rules There are tips you can have Mm -hmm. um, That that make it a little bit Easier to write a lyric, we'll touch Upon that a bit later on and, and I'm sure with all the artists and writers that we speak to, um, I'm sure there'll be, you know, more tips that we can pick up. And I want to learn those and I want to talk to them and I want to know their stories and I want to know what made them write and what inspires them and what music they're listening to, all this kind of stuff. That's, yeah, that, yeah. that fascinates me. And so that's kind of what Unsung Heroes is about.
3: So we'll see how we get on with that. Mm. Well, um, well, can I just and yeah. what do you know about um, podcasts,
4: Kim? Uh, do, you, do you listen to any or do you... Do you you know what? I don't know anything about podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that they're a good alternative to listening to music or listening to radio. Um, It's interesting to hear what people have to say about their lives. I mean, as you get older, um, I'm interested in that. And often I I think in my mind that a podcast is is a great opportunity for people to share their experience of actually just being alive so yeah what's what's more interesting than listening to the story of of anyone's life but for us certainly music is a great thing to talk about because it gets us it gets our um, engines roaring and it gets the fire going and, and and hopefully makes for a more compelling podcast
3: i think it will but sh-
2: yeah, and, and, and also with some of the guests that we'll be talking to, people like Nick Kershaw, we've toured with Nick many times. I, was, I played with Nick in his band, a, a, a great honour. Bloody hell, that was hard. He's chord central. I mean, he knows so many chords, <laughs> I, more than I know.
4: Ricky, in rehearsals of Nick Kershaw, I never oh. saw him look so ill. Oh, my God. He went is, was, every time he picked up a guitar. <laughs> he looked so nervous. About, he, he actually thought he couldn't, he, he thought he wouldn't be able to play... The, the millions of chords that Nick Kershaw somehow... The guy's a really, genius. The guy's a
2: genius. We've been counting how many chords... In, in one of the songs that he was doing can't remember which one it was. I remember it, though, and I'll come back to it. But um, there was something like bloody 20 chords in the verse. And oh, that's right. before we even hit the chorus. And it's, it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and that's just one song. But, no, he's an amazing talent, and we'll be talking to him. Um, there'll be uh, Graham Gordman um, from 10CC, who's written some amazing songs. I'm Not In Love being just one of, of my all-time favourite songs. And, and Graham very kindly said he's up for it. Mike Batt, who wrote Bright Eyes for Art Carfunkel. Beautiful song, all these amazing writers. Uh, Gary Osborne, who wrote one of your favourite songs, Kim. Carlton
4: John, Blue Eyes.
2: Blue Eyes, and what a beautiful song. Yeah. And um, part-time love, and you know, he's just an amazing talent. Lovely man, um, Richard Kerr, who wrote Mandy. Uh, beautiful song for Barry Manilow. Everyone thought Barry Manilow wrote it. But obviously he
3: didn't. Was it brandy originally?
2: It was originally brandy, brandy, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because
3: I came with you to one of your sods evening. Maybe you should talk about that as well. What the sods are and what they do, because that was fascinating. I came to that. But he did a version of that at the night, didn't he? And it was brandy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And very sadly, the guy that he wrote the song with had passed away only a few days before and um and so he was he was talking about that and talking about the song where it came from and and brandy was the original title and for whatever reason it got changed back to mandy and then he went and performed it and played it on piano it's beautiful mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. beautiful a beautiful song as well and um yes but he's part of um he's actually the king sod this year and the sods are uh, it's called the society of distinguished songwriters uh, of which i'm honored to be a member and we have some incredible writers in there um tim rice um, don black uh, mike bat uh, guy fletcher um god there's nicky chin there's uh, felthorne alley there's all these incredible guys that have written amazing songs you probably wouldn't know half of those names but um being a member I've, i i do obviously and i've got to know them very well as, as friends and they're incredible talent incredible talent and, and we all we all sit there and we have it's like three stag do's and at the end of the year there's the the ladies night which you came to uh, with with us jake um, i've
3: never been in a room with like more talent
2: uh, amazing is it's just
3: incredible yeah Yeah. everyone was doing versions of their songs and every song was just a just a classic yeah and just these guys getting up and just had no idea you'd walk past them in the street you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't know and i think like with what you're doing the unsung heroes that like the title is so apt for me because these these guys are heroes and, yeah and, and, and they're
2: it. certainly my heroes uh, I'd just like to just uh, to pay a little tribute to Les Reed who was unbelievable on that night he sung uh, Kinda Hush and what a beautiful song that was oh, um, God I rest his soul do you know it's one of my all time yeah, favourite songs yeah beautiful uh, very sadly he passed away recently yeah. so I'd just like to pay a little tribute to him and say what wonderful guy he was a lovely man um, yeah incredible very sad he's left us and um, so, yeah, uh, yeah. God bless Les. Um, yeah, and then we've got uh, Tony Mortimer as well, who I had a little chat with the other day <laughs> oh, uh, Who from E17. Oh, I just loved. I love that How band cool. anyway. And, and he's going to be talking about um, some of the stuff he wrote, all the hits he wrote. But, but that's just touching upon loads of other guests and I won't go into those. But they're the kind of people that you're going to be hearing about and um, hear me chatting to. So...
3: Can I just, point, Lee? So, so, so as Ricky's and and Kim's probably biggest fan in the world <laughs> is, is probably a, a fair thing. What, what what would you ask them about like the process and and what they've done? I think you know it would be nice to know what 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 places Ricky. Why is he uniquely placed? Do you think to, to do this podcast?
1: Um, I think one of the things when I first met. Ricky that is still so true today it's just his love for music still now it doesn't feel like a job you speak about music so passionately um, that it's just infectious and I can imagine working with you if you're a songwriter or a singer just that must rub off Um, and uh, you've just got so much to share with people I think in terms of that love of music which is just absolutely incredible and I think you do it with such um, you're so humble as well which I think is incredible You, you know you're quite happy being in the in the shadows as it were and truly that definition of of the young song hero I think and and your skill with a melody is you know unrivaled and I think if you're a Kim Wilde fan you can hear a Rick Wilde melody quite quickly in a song you're like yep that's a that's a classic Rick melody you hear it straight away but I think it would be great to understand how how you two work together um, and particularly it'll be interesting because Kim's first three albums were largely written by Ricky and and your dad Marty and then by album number four Kim becomes a songwriter so it'd be really interesting to understand was that really scary in terms of having to show your homework to yeah. to your brother and your dad
4: oh yeah it was really scary um it it sort of coincided with me leaving home um so I I, I was quite a, a late leaver I'd done I went to art college in St Albans. Mum and dad at that point decided to have, um, were well, blessed with two more children. Um, so I, as, as well as like appearing on Top of the Pops and doing Kids in America, I'd be going home and changing nappies. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it was a, a really interesting start. I wasn't like clubbing around London and hanging out with Boy George, and although I did hang out with Steve Strange, one <laughs> day, but that was an exception. But, um, but yeah, I, was, I was living at home, live, you know, very, very sort of normal life, really, in between doing Top of the Pops. Um and then of course it took off in Germany and then it took off all over the world so I was travelling non-stop so I didn't have any opportunity to become a writer for the first three years I've basically lived in a suitcase it worried me that, I mean I didn't like not being a songwriter it it did play on my mind a lot, all the time in fact and I loved working with Rick and Dad and they were writing such exciting songs and I'd step into this world and I'd be singing about Cambodia or, or, or or view from a bridge and these were great things places to go and sort of let My imagination let loose as a singer, which primarily I am a singer, um, it was wonderful. Um, By the time um, the fourth album came along, I had left home and that's when I became a writer. That's when I bought uh, a little four track, put it in my bedroom. I started writing initially with my guitarist, Steve Bird at the time, and yeah, and then I'd play some stuff to Rick and to my dad. It was a scary thing to do. You do you remember
1: that moment? Do you remember
4: I do. The time yeah, you and they the were songs? so kind, and they were really encouraging. Um, they were they were brilliant. You know, of course, as 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 it became very obvious, um, very quickly, I hit with my guitarist Steve. We were at another step, another step for junior Giscombe and myself, and then I never looked back. Um, but yeah, it was a scary transition. I did work very very hard at it. I spent a lot of time listening to the songs that I loved, especially an artist called Todd Rundgren, who I was, uh, who's just an incredible songwriter, one of the best songwriters in the world. And his, his work with the way he put songs together, um, I learned very basic stuff like choruses and bridges and middle eights and just the, the basic songs, song structure. I had plenty to say, uh, you know, and of course I was in and out of love all that period of time. So it was always interesting. <laughs> there was always someone to, you know, talk about, and some experience to do with the heart that that fitted to a song. Of course, it did.
1: One of the first songs that you wrote that got onto a, an album was was fit in, which is interesting with you saying it coincided with you leaving home. Because I'm guessing yeah. that song is very much sounding like someone that's left home and is now living in the big smoke it's it sounds like a song about
4: yeah i mean the thing is it was kind of difficult for me because i i i love pop music i grew up watching top of the pops i loved abba and i loved debbie harry and i i, I loved all the 70s glam i love pop music both ricky and i do obviously um but at home we were listening to very different kinds of music so we we're listening to a lot of like sort of singer songwriters um of which it's a genre that i it wasn't really me as a as a performer as it turned out and um, but I still love Carol King and Joni Mitchell and Carly Simon and um, so I was listening to a lot of music that didn't really uh, influence directly, although it did actually, well, it might not sounded like it, but it. Didn't it wasn't obviously connected to a Kim Wilde record, you know, a Joni Mitchell, Joni Mitchell, Hissing of Summer Lawns, Kim Wilde, Kids in America. <laughs> it's, it's quite hard to see the connection. But you know, I was growing up listening to Stevie Wonder albums and and very complex music, actually. Um, and it was Elvis Costello.
2: You, you, Elvis you, Costello. Yeah. I was a
4: huge fan of yeah, Elvis Costello. Writer. Yeah. And who I met, and I've got some lovely stories about Elvis Costello we could talk yeah. about later. Yeah. But um, so, yes, it was a really com- confusing place to be as a songwriter for me. Fit in was like one of the first songs, and it kind of showed how confused I was in a way. I, I didn't feel, feel like I fitted in at all to the conventional being a pop star person. I didn't like hanging out at the place to be. I, I wasn't sort of into fashion and, and being an icon or, or, or anything like that it didn't interest me um the only thing i was interested in was music i'm gonna shut up now i haven't stopped talking no no it's interesting (laughs) uh,
2: that's why you're here (laughs) (laughs) um but what what was it like for you living on your own and being one of the most famous young ladies in the uk and it must have been strange for you not being able to go out and and do stuff what was it like what was your day-to-day life like
4: well, mostly when I moved home into London, I went to a, I found a place in St John's Wood near Rack Records where we we were signed to Mickey Most label. Found it one day. No one had ever lived in it. Did it up within a few months. I was living in it, living alone. I found tough sometimes. Um, I'd be doing lots of TV's, travelling a lot, having a load of fun, and then going back and finding myself on my own. Um, you know, I was stalked a little bit too, so I had a few issues with people looking through windows. I remember one night particularly when some guy was, like, trying to climb up the the, the, the pipe in the, the alley of where I lived. Yeah. And yeah, I sorry tend- about
3: that. I'd, I'd been drinking. That <laughs> 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 no, wasn't me. Can I just say for the record, that wasn't me. Um,
1: and, uh, <laughs> yeah, That's our well, first revelation. Day,
4: right? uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, anyway, I remember turning all the lights off and crawling on the floor and calling up someone and asking oh, them to come back, so there were a few moments but all, by, on the, on the whole it was it was just great to feel that I could afford to buy a house a, buy an apartment in London. Mm. I was so chuffed to be employed doing something I loved. Yeah. There were lonely moments that there were. Um, but most of the time, we were traveling, weren't we? We were, we were going to Germany, yeah, we were going to Australia, everywhere, everywhere. we were going to America, we were traveling, we were having so much fun. So for me, it was, um, it was a, a place where I could learn who I was, not just um, as a person, um, at my taste. I developed my own taste. You know, the, I could buy my own furniture. Um, I could sit on my own chair. There was an incredible feeling of independence and, and I started to grow strong um, and then the songwriting came, and then
2: oh, you probably needed to go through that in order to get to the point where you you felt you could start getting into I did. the writing I did tell- side. I've
4: got to be honest, Rick. You know, being around you and Dad was really mm-hmm. overwhelming, um, as because you were so great at it, and it was so effortless for you. And so, it, from an it,
1: industry it, point of view, was it a challenge as well? So when you move record company, that was also the start of your songwriting. So you went to MCA. Did you have to convince them that they were taking on Kim Wilde, the songwriter, as well as Kim Wilde, the pop star, or was that never a battle?
4: Well, it wasn't a battle because we had our own, um, our own studio. So they got what they were given on the whole. And um, I started writing with Rick pretty quickly. And, and, yeah, so it wasn't an issue at all. I never felt... Any of those issues that you hear about, some women talk about being a woman in the industry. I hear about a lot of misogyny in the business. I've never experienced it. I've got to tell you, I've never felt it. I've, it's not been an issue for me, beyond what's you know what, you know what some people have on a day to day, but not any less or any more. I would say.
3: And as a songwriter, Kim, how long do you think it took you to feel confident in, in calling yourself a songwriter or, or to developing that skill? What how long do you think it took you until you felt very comfortable in that that role given that what you said about the pressures of growing up with Ricky and Marty and
4: well I'd, I'd already I was always a, always a poet so I was or writing poetry or writing stuff that rhymed <laughs> that sounds less pretentious so yeah stuff that rhymed yeah. I, I, I'd done that for years and years um, so I would I was already a sort of a, 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 a lyricist mm-hmm. without actually really knowing it I always loved the written word loved English at school um, loved the, the English language Love the poetry of it. Um, I was a you know painter. I went to art college. I was really connected into. Um, my My thoughts and and how to express them other than just i 'm cold today it's <laughs> just try, let's think of a lovely way of saying that or a different way to really communicate what that feels like today. Um, painting did it for me for a while when I was an artist, but then words did it better for me I, I I felt I can be more expressive with words, so they came first, and then when I started writing with rick who's the who's primarily was working with uh, melody um, but not always and very often with lyrics and he'd pass me on some great lyrics to, to finish off. Um, one, a point in case would be You Came where Rick gave me the chorus and gave me the lyric for that and, and the rest of the song, um, but we'll talk about that another time. But, let's talk
3: about it
2: now.
4: Well, yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, can... should we, ta-
2: we say the story of You Came? Shall well, yeah, uh, say yeah go on.
4: You so say I'll, I'll kick it off
2: and then I'll pass it over to you. Well, basically, um, the Close album was complete tracks were sounding great Um, to all intents and purposes MCA were happy to release it as it was and um, dad and mum and Kimmy were really happy with how it's all sounding um as was I but I just felt we were one track short um so I decided to go into the studio we had a weekend before MCA we going to come back um to the studio to have a, a live playback final playback of the album um so I had like two or three two well two days I think it was yeah just the weekend to sort out um another track um So I went into the studio on my own and I just turned all the gear on, got a couple of synths up and got a little groove going and just started listening to um, a bit of Human League.
0: In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: Um, the reason for that was because Dare, I adored that album. It's one of my still one of my all time favourite albums. Um, beautiful songs, but every single track is just an absolute corker. Um, and I just felt that there was one more, yeah, one more track in, in our album, uh, like, and I wanted it to be like our Dare. There's a track that Human League uh, released uh, quite a few years ago, and the song was called "Life on Your Own," um, and it has very similar chords to "You Came," and it goes a little bit like this. I guess you've always wanted life on your own. I guess you've always wanted. Yeah, so you can hear those chords and they're very similar vibe-wise to the You Came chords. I just mucked around with them a little bit and changed it around and then eventually came up with the chord sequence which which proved to be the same chords for the verse and for the chorus. You came, you changed the way I feel No one could love you more because you Um, Yeah, so I was... Then the melody came very quickly and the lyric came very quickly and that was about um, my little boy who was very young at that time. I think he was only a few months old. And um, so, yeah, the whole chorus written about him. Uh, But I wanted the rest of the lyric to sound more global. um, So I just wanted it to mean that it could be anything to do with um that changes your life whether it be religion a best friend um a new situation or a group of people that you've uh, or something that's that's affected your life in a life-changing way um yeah so then i just phoned up kimmy and said look come up with this, what do you think? And she liked it. Then she finished off the lyrics um, in in an incredible way, which there's no way in a million years I could have done um, because I'm good at coming up with choruses, but when it comes to the rest of it, um, I find that very difficult. Um, But thankfully, Kimmy, you know, she she heard it, she understood the, the vibe and came up with the most incredible lyric.
4: Well, thank you, bro. But you know what? You can do it because you were writing songs before you came and before Kids in America and you were finishing all the lyrics off and you were doing a bloody great job. Mm. So um, <laughs> I think it's, you know, that, that is typical of you to say that about yourself because you're so humble, like you were saying, <laughs> um, and you're more than capable of writing the most beautiful, honest lyrics because that's, sort of, that's the person you are.
2: Well, I don't know. I don't think of it that way. I, I just, I just think that when I listen to your lyrics and, and Dad's lyrics, they, they just, they just say something that I, that I wouldn't have thought that I yeah, wouldn't, have, yeah. w- it wouldn't have crossed my mind to say. And, and um, so I, I, I love hearing that input, and it keeps it, it keeps the whole process of writing fresh for me, and it keeps it interesting rather than settling for lines or settling for a lyric that I. I, I might but bug But
4: I tell you what, when we're when we're writing together, though, you're very good at you know um, sifting out the the chaff. So if there's something that's just a little bit waffly, or there's too many ands in, you know, we go out striking all the ands and the, yeah, yeah, and the connecting yeah, yeah, yeah. words. Just yeah. like, come on, let's just get more direct here. Let's get to the essence of what we want to say here. Let's yeah, get rid of all yeah. the yeah, thes yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and 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 just make it you know because and it's a really exciting thing that we do when we're writing together. Mm. Um, that's then, teamwork,
2: that's that's what I love that's what I love about working with you and 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 and, and other writers you know I, I I find the whole process just a, a wonderful process and um it really interesting
3: you do know? you prefer, you prefer writing in collaboration with with other people Is it, it,
2: it, do you know what it, it's so it's so different sometimes i'll write a song on my own and and i will be really pleased with the way it's all structured and and the lyric and everything and I'm really pleased with it generally with that but I kind of do most of it on my own, like programming all the backing tracks and stuff. And then I'll send the backing track over to Kimmy. I'll, I'll, I'll send an MP3 and then Kim will come in a couple of days later and after she's written the bulk of the lyric. And then we get together and then we bounce ideas off and say, well, maybe this melody and maybe that lyric change, maybe this, maybe that. Um, so that's kind of generally how, how we work. Um, but saying that, it's so different. With, I was working with this um, wonderful um, artist called Nina, who Lee introduced me to um, a, a while ago. He's, he sent me a, a, some, some stuff of hers, which I really liked. And then we, uh, Lee and I went to a gig uh, by a band called The Midnight, who we both really love, and we went to, to watch them live. And Nina was in the queue. And Lee it was says, meant to be. It was meant to be, and uh, and weirdly, like ten minutes before we we walked up to the gig, we we went for a, a five guys, and we were having a burger, having a chat, and he says, hey, you, "You know, you think about writing with anyone else. You should write with Nina." It's like, what, really? He said, "Yeah, I didn't think about it, and there she was." So it was kind of like a you know, one of these, one of those weird moments. And then we got chatting and then she said, oh, we're, uh, we're three tracks short of the album. Um, so <laughs> we were in. My pimp, my pimp was, uh, <laughs> smashed it. <laughs> and uh, he, he said, oh, well, you know, Rick's around. Right? And the next thing, Nina was here. So, and then Nina came up with Laura, who she does a lot of writing with and, and work with. And, and, and that was a totally different experience to, to how I would normally work, but... It was beautiful. beautiful so are those thing.
3: songs written? Are they, or is that ongoing? Yeah, we
2: we wrote a song. Shit, they only came up for one day, and we we wrote a song, and and that that's going to be on her next album, and that that's being recorded at the moment. Um, and it was a wonderful experience, and I really enjoyed that, you know. Um, other times, um, you know, Kimmy and, Kim and I wrote a, a song uh, just recently that was uh, sent off to a band called The Lovers of Valdaro um, and they're going to be cutting that song as well. So um,
1: they're, they're a Swedish band to just beautiful they've made some great records so they've actually so, yeah. just been robbed they should be representing sweden at eurovision but they missed out at the semi-final stage but they really should have made it to be fair but they are definitely ones to watch
2: yeah and and, and great voices and yeah check them out on spotify guys or, or buy it or, or download from uh, itunes Beautiful stuff, and um, yeah. So they're doing one of our songs. So it, it's it's kind of it's, it's totally different. I've done I've done these uh, writing camps where um, you know there'll be twenty of you and. Um, uh, and the, the main man will say, right, today, Rick, you're working with um, Curtis and Paul, and you don't know who you're going to write with, so there'll be three of you sitting in a room, and you have to write a, a song in that day and then perform it in the evening in front of everyone, which is, uh, again, that's a totally different experience. So it, it's, it's, there's no hard set rules with writing, and, um, and there's diff- uh, for me, I, I love every process because it's a, it's a learning curve, Jake, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I think generally
4: we work thing? very quickly. I mean, you all come up with a backing track really quickly. Yeah. And very often he it, um, it, it might send it to me in the evening and... Um and I will listen to it and I will write it and have it literally ready for the, the next day when I so literally if the, if the music talks to me which it very, invariably does very rare isn't it that you send something that doesn't get something an, an idea going and, and then I, it won't let me sleep and then I literally just have to get get on and do it new life is a point in you know I remember you sent that new life from the Christmas album he that over one uh, late one night didn't you it was quite late you yeah. sent it and I was so blown away by the beauty of it, and we uh, the, the idea of uh, uh, calling it New Life came from the fact that Rick's daughter in law and son were just about to have their baby. In fact, the son who we were, you came about was having a baby that yeah. we wrote New Life about, and um, and, and, the, the, sis- the, and the
2: first noise you hear on the, on the final version of that song is um, oh yeah, is, the heartbeat of the little baby, yeah, a
4: little baby Ophelia, uh, Ophelia, and well, you, you, learned- you
3: hear the heartbeat on the track, yeah, that,
2: that, that, that we, we sample when she had the... The ultrasound sonogram.
4: thing,
3: yeah.
2: That's, that's, the, that's, that's the word I was even called. Yeah, and, um, yeah and, and, and she recorded uh, the heartbeat. And if you listen carefully, you can just hear uh, Lissy saying,
4: it's amazing, isn't it?
2: And it's so sweet. It was a beautiful
4: uh, time. You know, yeah. Rick's um, son was just about to have a baby. Our sister was just about to have a baby at the yeah, same time. Yeah. Um, so new life just poured out of me and was ready the next day.
1: Yeah, yeah. We were talking about um, how you send things back and forth to one another. Obviously, that's something that's changed a lot in songwriting. So when you first started out, you didn't have the internet. You couldn't send each other tracks over email saying, have a listen to this. You had to be in the studio. Yeah, yeah, I used to, to come
4: that. to the studio and then they'd leave me alone in there. Do you remember? And I used to yeah. just get pads and pads. Never, you know, obviously the computers, you know, we have to. it was all handwritten stuff. And I have somewhere you know in my cuz i've got a lot, a lot of memorabilia and some places i can fi- i find old lyric books where i was you know crossed out paragraphs crossed out loads of lines put in new ones yeah, so those are different days,
1: but is it easier to do it this way, the modern way of yeah, oh it it definitely, yeah, it's
3: great. Not, it's great, no
4: less creative, really no, fantastic. No. I love working like this.
3: No, and it's it's yeah, yeah. You know, just um, talking about that, that. Who's that guy you're working with? And you you were telling me you just bang him over the track, and then he sends you back the oh yeah back yeah back to... Paul Paul Bartolome.
2: Um, he's a, a amazing voice, a, amazing guy as well. Just a, a he's only a young kid, but he's just an incredible writer, and he has his own setup at, at home. He has his own studio set up and, and it's great because I just send him the backing tracks and he then records his vocal and then records the top line and the lyrics and he records it so well as well. He's such a talent. And then he sends me the stems of his vocal over and then I'll work on the track and put it back into my setup. And it all t- sounds great. It's a wonderful so Rip, process. say
4: what stems are.
2: <laughs> oh, stems? Yeah. Okay, yeah, stems. <laughs> stems is uh, a track. So so if, if you've got, like, a bass drum and a snare and a hi-hat and... Yeah, vocals and then chords and uh, guitars, you know, e- each track that of... of so let's say the first track is a bass drum. When you print that as such, that is a stem. So the, the stem of the bass drum, you've got a stem of the snare, stem stem of the vocals, blah, blah, blah. So that's what a stem is. Is that
1: how it happens with Frida on the duet as well? Did, you
4: did
2: yes. Not, you yes. didn't
1: meet, yet you duetted? No, team? I haven't
4: met Frida Sandimo wow. yet.
1: That's amazing, isn't it? You've jivetted with someone that you've not I heard.
4: can't tell you how much um, that EP of hers um, completely blew Ricky and I away. Oh, all way. of us, yeah. It, and it, it's still it's my useful. go-to EP. I, I, if I can't think of anything to play on, you know, I'll, I'll always play Frida Sandimo. And, of course, Lee, that's, you introduced her to Ricky and I. Ricky was playing her stuff in the dressing room and I really loved it and... Um, And now she's on our album. It was such an honour. should have seen Rick when when we heard that Frida was going to sing the song. (laughs) For a while, it wasn't quite, you know, she, she took her little time. And I don't know what she was doing, but she, you know, she obviously works in a slow and thoughtful way, which is, you know, which you can tell when you listen to her amazing music and her songs and... She took her time to kind of think about the song and how she wanted to do it.
2: Mm.
4: Sadly, we haven't met her yet. We can't wait to meet her.
2: No, absolutely. And, um, yeah, it was. It was a real honour for her to be on on the album. And... um, yeah, she's an incredible voice, incredible talent and actually I'd love to to have a chat with her about her songwriting and, yeah. and, and where did uh, she well, get... That's,
4: you must do that. By the way, have got to say the, the EP is called Indigo and then the album that she did after that is Flashbacks and Futures. Great album, worth checking out. Beautiful, pure voice of hers. Total honesty. It's like an angel, but there's a there's a, there's a real toughness to it. You know, she's a, a proper it's puncher when she. It's quite proper, icy at times. Yeah, quite but icy, very warm but as very well. p- very warm, but also really cold and hard. You know, just you wouldn't want to mess. You wouldn't mess with that girl. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, is. but I think the thing that I love about her is her honesty. It's just so honest. Yeah. Her vocal, the lyrics, the, the chords, it's just beautiful I'm really but open. But also
4: she has a sort of childlike quality. Yeah, so exactly in, that, in, a, a, very a, open. I'm, and it's not in a babyish kind of way, but in the way that children are disarmingly honest yeah. and she has that quality.
2: Absolutely.
3: That, and that's what
2: thats, that's really what hits touching. me. When it, yeah.
3: Yeah. Is that a big part of what would make a great song for you, do you think? Honesty, truthfulness? I, it, on I mean, some what, artists, what, what makes a great song in, in your opinion? Do
2: you know what? It's right across the board that one, Jakey, because uh, there's like um, you're listening to something like Delilah, and I think that's Barry Mason who's sitting there and thinking, give a story in his head, you know. I don't know where that came from, whether it's true or not or <laughs> honest. I love the I love the lyric. I think it sounds fucking great. You know what I mean? You and love when the, I hear it, love it, makes the me story wanna, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like it takes a, you on a journey. It takes you on a journey, and at the end of it, you think, "Ah," oh, and you sing, singing, you're at the top of your voice. You know, I love that. You know, so, and I don't care where that came from, whether so it's you, honest you or as not. A
3: listener, you need to sort of connect with it. You think, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. If it makes you feel good. That's mm. all. all um, I just mentioned the honesty for Frida because that's what hits me when I hear her stuff, and that's one of the main things I love about
1: about her. But um, it's not necessarily that way for. Other artists. Kim, when it was Rick and Marty songs that you were singing and it's storytelling that you've got to interpret, were there subjects within their songs that sometimes were were too hard or you're like, what is this? I don't know how to perform it. I don't know what meaning to convey or.
4: Yeah, you know what? It's it's interesting because I never had a problem with. I, I never had a problem with singing my my dad's lyrics even when they were completely random which they or often were a bit were. risque
1: sometimes too Pardon? A bit risque sometimes
4: too Yeah they were I mean I <laughs> 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 Shall we go there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah thinking, yeah I mean singing you know gaily singing about a prostitute who's giving out her telephone number Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean <laughs> I was actually going with The Second Time is when Oh yeah I was The Second Time that. The <laughs> Second Time
4: is a hilarious song Ricky and I always have a bit of a giggle about it because <laughs> anyway I, I, I can't even go there even on a podcast like this but obviously you know we know it's not sort of um, bowling
3: but, <laughs> but isn't that the difference between interpreting a song as a, as a singer in, in which you have to try and connect with it and do a performance of it as opposed to having, the, having written it yourself when there is an obvious connection straight away, so they're, they're, you're bringing different skill sets, I would imagine. Well,
4: as a performer, which I've I developed into more as I've got a, um, as my career has gone on, I was always a performer. Obviously, when I started off, you know, I mean, even though it was very understand, understated, my performance on top of the pots for kids in America, even though it, it was it was understated, but it was a performance, you know. Um, I... I had a sense about my presence and the power that I could give, even though I didn't understand it. Um, so, and it felt relevant and it felt right. And um, and I think there's a lot about being a performer you don't really understand about yourself. It just seems to be an innate thing that I have, that I do, um, so I, I, it's a it's an odd thing talking about it in a way because I take it for granted mm. and it just seems it's such a big part. It's so part of who I am. Um, but
2: also, it, growing up and seeing Dad perform, I think yes. that that was a massive influence on uh, on both of us as performers. And,
4: Definitely, uh, in in the latter years, I yeah. think initially though, I wasn't doing much like live stuff. So it was all it was a different kind of presence that I could project or or seem to you know that's who what people got they got a video of me they got a tv performance of me but they didn't get much of a live you know so the live stuff is where people have really um i feel people get to really know who i really am now at this at this stage in my career and not start at the part.
2: Um, and talking of live stuff, we've got the live album that's just about to drop. Sean, would you like to tell us about the live album? Seeing as you, as you are such a major part of this, uh, well, the whole of the Aliens project, you're a massive part of. Yeah, well, the live album, in, interestingly, Kim's never done a live album, which is
0: kind of strange for a, for a career that's, that's been going this long to not have done one. So I, I was always very keen that that it was something we should do. And, and last year's tour was such a momentous tour. I think we all felt it was kind of the pinnacle of, of the live... We've been doing such a good job with the live shows for, for getting on for 20 years, I guess, since yeah. since it all kicked off again. And I think we've just been getting better and better and better and the band are so tight. And, and especially at the moment, it's so exciting having two drummers and and it's, it's sort of... It feels... Well, it certainly felt last year when we started doing the Here Come the Aliens tour, it was the tightest and it was the most focused and it was the best version of, of, of Kim live. Yeah. And it was crazy to... To not. So even before we decided whether we were doing it or not, I sort of decided we'd record every show last year. So we recorded every single performance. So we've got, you know, terabytes of sound files. And um, obviously when we mentioned it to the record company and obviously we talked to you guys about it, 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 everyone was like, that's that's something we have to do. So kind of uniquely, I think, um, the live album is 19 songs, uh, but recorded in 18 different cities. But when, when someone listens to it, it won't sound like... 18 gigs stitched together. It will sound like one continuous show, even though actually each song is in a different city. Um, yeah, I'm halfway was, was, through. Mixing. Sorry,
3: was that deliberate or was that just the best performances of each song? We,
0: I just thought it'd be a really interesting thing to do. I'd never yeah. heard a live album like that. It's normally a gig. Mm. You know, lots of people on social media have been getting in touch to say, "What gig is it? They want to know if it was the gig they were at." And then you know, we've just sort of let the cat out of the bag right and told oh, yeah. everyone. Actually, yeah. it's it's 18 different cities, and um. The way we chose which ones to use was a case of which were the best ones. Uh, it, I won't give it all away yet, but it starts and ends in London and then it sort of goes through Europe on the rest of the tracks. But, yeah, there were certain cities where certain tracks resonate more, so like Cambodia in Paris... Whenever we play that song in France, it just goes mad, and it? it's yeah. they they just love it, and and it was just
2: crazy. Oh, it sold millions in in, in literally millions yeah. in 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 France. It's a massive hit over there. And recently it's charted chart. again. Yeah, yeah, it's back at the chart at the moment. Yeah, thirty-four in the singles chart <laughs> yeah. in France With this fun. year. That's Cambodia, it's
4: crazy. <laughs> it
2: just slid back in there, and it's not been released as such. No, it? <laughs> it's strange. <laughs> it's crazy, but um, yeah, it struck a chord over there for some reason. Massively, and that recording, I think, is I think everyone's going to
0: love it. It's just so that venue is, is it, We always do an amazing gig there, but that night, it was, I mean, you can't forget it. It was so hot and it was so busy, oh, and then incredible. Was in so out, yeah, oh, it was, yeah, our yeah.
4: Favorite, one of our favorite gigs. And you ever. totally hear
0: it, it. you know, the crowd was singing for so, so loud and so long. In fact, the breakdown, yeah, yeah, the end, yeah, 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 there's like a five minute gap where they just started singing <laughs> yeah. and, and off the crowd go on their own. And yeah. sort of had to shoehorn the, the next yeah. bit back in. Amazing, but um, no, I think I think it's um, I think the fans are going to love it. I think it's it totally captures us at our best, you
2: know, and, and all the performances everyone does is the spot on. Yeah, and it's a uh, and getting back to the aliens album that was released was it last January? It was March last Mar- year. Oh, was it March? Was yeah. it oh, okay? So um, March last year, we released the aliens and yeah. aliens. Yeah, well, what's
4: come, all that about? What's yeah, all that about? well, here come the aliens <laughs> came. Was one of the first songs we wrote actually? The songs for here come the aliens were written over quite a, a long period of time because some of the songs were written between you with you and Scarlett, um, Scarlett Wald, my your daughter, my niece, our backing singer, um, and artists, resident artists. The fact that I had an encounter that I've never understood in, crazily enough in my back garden. So you saw a light? Do you know what I actually saw, Rick? I was sitting outside. Literally, I'd been at the A&E with our little boy who had suspected swine flu. I'd been at A&E all evening on a Friday night. So I hadn't been on the Chardonnay. I got back... My husband, Hal, was there, and one of my friends, Ed. We were sat in the back. Uh, I was telling them about this experience at the hospital, how or- worried I was about Harry. All of a sudden, I saw some helicopters flying from a direction that they never fly in our garden from the southeast, and they flew right over our house. How many? Two.
2: So was it a clear night? I mean, was it it, um, was were, dusk. They, were there it was clouds? Or?
4: It was dusk. It, there was some low cloud where I was looking at the light. There was clear sky. Behind the house, Um, I couldn't see the object, but I could see the light that it made, and it was static and quiet. Um, We walked down to look at it, uh, then it suddenly moved. So it did an 11 o'clock to about 2 o'clock and stayed there, and um, it it was uh, astonishing.
2: Wow. I mean, that's a life-changing moment, isn't it?
4: Yeah. Right and it certainly there.
2: changed our lives because uh, w- without that, we wouldn't have written Aliens. <laughs> no, here come the aliens. It's <laughs> after
4: that. It's just my whole big subject now. I mean, if I go to bed now and I haven't got anything better to do in bed, uh, then I will put on my, um, I, I will g- g- go on and look at all UFO, UFO files. I'll look and yeah. see if uh, there have any been sightings or anything. Yeah, it went on to inspire the whole album, really. You know, uh, they gave me a great gift and a great insight into the, I, f- I believe, into our existence and, and the universe.
1: Well, there you go. <laughs> Mental, isn't it?
4: Nanu, nanu. Yeah. So,
1: Aliens was one subject matter that inspired you to write. I think this, the whole theme of this podcast about unsung heroes... People don't often think of some of the subjects that you've both written about because they think of the love songs. They think of, you know, You Came and Four Letter Word that you wrote with Dad. But there's a theme around the environment, which runs very strongly through your songs as well. I'm thinking of songs like Stone, Who's to Blame and Schoolgirl, which I think was written about Chernobyl or around the time of Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah. What, what? what inspires you to write about the environment that way? So I see something you care about and that passion really comes through in the songs.
4: Yeah, I mean, certainly when you've become a parent, you know, your your relationship with your planet and your environment totally changes. It transforms. Um, uh, I think becoming a gardener had a big part, was play, has played a big part in my life and that connectedness to, to the garden and to the environment... Um, yeah, these are scary times and, but, and Chernobyl was a terrible, a terrible moment, a really scary, terrifying, real wake up call. Um, I don't know what it's going to take, humankind to really wake up, probably something that's when it's too late.
1: Is that a huge challenge for you, Rick, when Kim comes with really deep, often, you know, political lyrics and you've got to write a pop song? That, that must be quite a challenge no no that's
2: never an issue I, I love honesty in, in lyrics and I think there's no there's never any bullshit with Kim's lyrics she wouldn't sing it otherwise and and she has to be able to sing and believe and feel what she's singing <laughs> You have been listening to Unsung Heroes with me, Ricky Wilde, Jake Wood and Lee Bennett. Produced and created by myself and Jake Wood for Wildwood Productions. With music and editing, again by myself, Ricky Wilde, artwork by Scarlett Wilde and hosted by Acast. Just to remind you that there is a link in the notes directing you to Spotify playlist featuring all the songs we have discussed in this episode. Many thanks for listening. Unsung Heroes